Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Thursday, December 14th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights in Automation. And this is a show where I talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. And because it's December 14th, I want to say a very heartfelt happy birthday out to anybody who has a birthday today, including my oldest daughter, who is, uh, I'm just so proud of her. She is a uh, successful uh, businesswoman. Uh, running her own business and uh, has two of the best children in the world, my grandkids, and I'm um, just so proud of her. And uh, it can be tough running your own business and raising teenagers. So just so very proud of my oldest daughter, Sarah. So happy birthday, Sarah. And to everybody else who has a birthday today, I actually already got on LinkedIn and wished my birthdays out this morning. So uh, if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, please feel free. I connect with everybody. Um, feel free to everybody in industrial automation. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. And with those birthdays wishes out, I do want to uh, look over here on the board and make sure you got my audio and uh, make sure the video looks okay. You can still see I have some lights here. We're, we're getting towards the end of uh, taking uh, photos for all the presentations we'll be doing in the new courses. Here you can see uh, this is a collection of PLC5s I've been building over the years. Some of the, uh, the newer platform ones I picked up. Usually they're running about, I don't know, it's hard to say, between 50 and 100 bucks, depending on which one you're, you're looking for. And if you're shopping a lot and searching a lot and whatnot. But in any case, great to have uh, um, quality recycled products that we can uh, do this show with. And um, now the, the software is expensive, so most people won't be doing this at home because uh, the software just keeps going up and up in price for some unknown reason. But in any case, uh, so uh, I had somebody ask me uh, or just yesterday, hey, how's the PLC5 cost going? I think it's going great. So um, great to have all this stuff cleaned up and a lot of memories as I was cleaning all this old equipment up to get it ready for the photos. And I look forward to doing that, uh, that uh, course here, um, you know, filming new apps, uh, new lessons, hopefully every week. So with that, let's go ahead and get started with the show. And uh, just a reminder, if this is the first time you're watching, uh, every single link we covered in all 150 plus shows this year, you will find at automate.news. This is like a sister site to the automationblog.com. And uh, this is where I go after the show. I think Tuesday was pretty late. It was five, six o'clock at night. But uh, after the show, I do, and the show's uh, sent out everywhere and, and um, you know, edited and, and republished. I come up here and I put all the links in. So, and they're in the order I covered them in. So you hear, you can see on Tuesday, the number one, uh, uh, the first article we covered was uh, HMS Acquiring Red Lion. So, and they're all here. And um, all the way back to July is searchable here. The first three months of the show is not, four months of the show is not searchable yet. But uh, in any case, let's go ahead and take a look at what is our first uh, news story. Well, the first thing we want to say is thank you to the automationschool.com for sponsoring this show. Really appreciate that. And from there, we go over to Red Lion. They have announced uh, an update to the Entron uh, NT5000 gigabit Ethernet switch, manage Ethernet switches. They've at recently added N-Ring technology, which is their own ring technology with like a, a 30 second, uh, 30 millisecond switch over time, 30 milliseconds uh, switch over time. So if you need to have a ring network, you can use N-Ring if you're already using N-Ring because you have previous Entron products from uh, Red Lion. Uh, it's great that this new line has that. And they added a DHCP server which I'm sure a lot of people uh, are happy about. Um, I don't, we don't use that a lot in industrial automation, but still to have that feature is it's an important feature to have in some industries, right? 
So in any case, congratulations to them on that. Now, if you're not familiar with the NT5000, we did have a red line on the podcast back on episode 141 and uh, talking about these new switches. And we actually did a first look. They sent one in and uh, they uh, bought some advertising so we would be able to afford to produce this show to um, do an in-depth first look on their product. So I unbox it. I take a look at it physically. I go in and do the initial setup. And I'll tell you, I was really impressed. Very user-friendly interface. From there, we go over to OnLogic. They have an announcement about their first, the first ever, they unveiled the first ever Thin Manager Ready, I should say Thin Manager Ready, Industrial Thin Client with Wi-Fi Boot. So this is a big deal because you couldn't do this before this product came out. So I don't know uh, how the OnLogic folks get the inside with Thin Manager folks, but uh, they were able to get the, uh, the, the, be the first company to release a Thin Manager Ready Thin Client with Wi-Fi Boot, which means you don't have to have you know, physical Ethernet connection to boot this up uh, and connect to Thin Manager. So very interesting here. We did cover this in the past as they were working on it, but uh, now it's out and that they're uh, promoting it, so I wanted to share that with you. Now, if you're not familiar with OnLogic, we did have them on the show back on Podcast 172, and they went through their entire line. I thought Jason did a great job. It was very interesting, the stuff they do. Everything from little uh, Raspberry Pi industrial PCs up to panel PCs up to servers. And they do a lot of custom stuff too. So a very interesting company uh, located right here in the USA. I believe they're in Burlington, Vermont or South Burlington. And uh, they try to manufacture everything they can right there as well. So very interesting uh, company if you're interested in finding out more about them. From there, we go into some uh, pr- other industrial computer uh, product announcements. We got Syncos um, in, uh, promoting their new Adder Lake-based IPCs. They have everything from panel PCs to, you know, industrial PCs to uh, edge PCs, e- even PCs that fit in AMRs. And so they're promoting all of those products with the new iCore, you know, latest iCore uh, generation in them. And then Asus Rock or AS Rock, I should say AS Rock. Uh, Industrial was is promoting today their uh, industrial 4x4 boxes, especially uh, the mini versions and the ones built for AI processing. So um, not a lot of pictures here, but you can see one of the little boxes. We, we covered these in the past. From there, Banner has a new product, and I thought this was interesting. This is a factory workstation light, right? So think of it as, a, I don't know, it looks pretty wide. Five foot, four foot, five foot, six foot. Uh, workstation light that would go over a workstation to provide lighting, but this is this gets its power from Ethernet, power of Ethernet. So you know, there's a lot of places where you may want to put a workstation where there is no. Maybe it's a you know for a physical inspection. Maybe it's for um, just parts and pieces you'll need, and um, you don't have a 120 volt outlet there, right? But you want to put a workstation there to hold parts and allow some assembly or inspection. And so this type of light that has the uh, that is powered 100% by power over Ethernet. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, having said that, this unit does have a little thumb uh, thumb wheel on it there, adjustable thumb wheel, and you can get it with the blinders on it, um, the eye protectors. So, um, you know, if, if they, you know, the reduced distress in the eyes, if the light's going to be too bright for them, um, you can put those in there well, so all the light goes right down onto the workstation itself. So I am excited. We do have a banner coming back on early in the year in 2024. Looking forward to that. Um, from there... Um, if you want to know more about Banner's uh, smart machine lighting and indication, everything from stack lights, tower lights, to illuminated buttons, to, I mean, they got all kinds of stuff. Um, check out our podcast number 115, 
where Rob Weedman came on and he did a great job going through all of it. Very visual too, so if you're catching the video edition, lots of, uh, lots of great graphics. Uh, from there, we go over to a blog from Rockwell Automation. And uh, this one, they had now they had a couple of other blogs that talked about their, um, uh, their Plex software, which I didn't think really targets this audience. But um, this one I thought did, creating a proactive machine safety program. So I know in some industries, machine safety is of, uh, you know, number one priority, right? So whether you're an OEM building machine that requires safe relays and door safety switches for doors and interlocks and all that, um, gates and, and fences and whatnot, um, or if you're an end user um, worried about uh, or implementing lockout tagout or maintaining a lockout tagout program, machine safety can be very important. So um, this article, I thought it was fairly interesting, especially some of the stats that you shared. And they had two major bullets they wanted to share with you. I'm not going to read the whole article, but, you know, the first bullet was, you know, if you're pursuing machine safety, you know, an important thing to do is identify and mitigate facility risks or machine risks on an ongoing basis. It's not a one and done thing. As things change, as they typically do, parts change, they get upgraded, they, you know, different parts get obsoleted, new parts get added, you know, and there's machining of physical parts, things have to change as well because, you know, um, you find better ways of doing things. And so it's important to have an ongoing effort to evaluate any changes you're making to the system. And a lot of times that's where risk assessments come in. And then the other thing they said is build an effective lockout tagout program. This is mostly for you end users. Um, and uh, that's very important. I think most of you are already doing this, but if you haven't, or if it was implemented kind of, you know, hastily, you may want to relook at it. And uh, they make some uh, great recommendations in this article. From there, I just wanted to, since we're talking about Rockwell, I just wanted to remind you that we actually had Rockwell on, Kristen uh, Kosaka, uh, on the talk about V35 last year. So if you haven't gotten up to speed and maybe you're just really busy, um, check that out. She did a great job. I did get to see her. At it was great to meet her in person at Automation Fair and, and the team, right? The marketing team and, and whatnot. And so um, we were talking about doing another update to this for V36. Now, I didn't see an announcement of that actually being released yet. They may announce it on social media. I've been, I've been more monitoring their website. But uh, in any case, I'm really looking forward to getting Kristen back on to talk V30, V36 and uh, maybe even getting a, a TA, so a temporary activation, so I can look at some of the features of it as well. But uh, if you're not up to speed on 35, check this release out. Also, um, if you attended Automation Fear, the, uh, mo most of the presentations um, for the sessions are out. Uh, apparently, they came out two weeks ago. I actually sent them an email saying, hey, um, are they coming out before the end of the year? And they sent me the link back. So if you have not seen the announcement about how to get your uh, presentations from Automation Fair, if you were there in person, contact your local distributor because they are out. I went through and I downloaded a bunch of them. I haven't had a chance to read them yet, but some of the sessions I went to, like what's new in Vue, what's new in Logix, and all these great sessions, uh, you know, I wanted to go back through the presentations, so I wanted to get them on my hard drive. Uh, with that, we go over to Softing. has a new article talking about their data feed OPC suite. Now... You know, before I talked to these guys and they came on and did a demo, I was kind of like, it's just another OPC server. But I got to say, after they came on the show, like this, this software looks, again, I haven't had a chance to play with it myself, but it looks extremely easy to use. And it's more than just an OPC server. They got a bunch of bullets right here. Um, you know, they do do OPC server for Siemens, Modbus, BNR, Rockwell, Mitsubishi. But they also do an OPC tunneling for classic uh, OPC and UA. 
Um, they do, they have an OPC data handler, an OPC organizer, uh, MindSphere connection. They do MQTT and REST. And so they have all these features, right? You can see all the, the um, octagons here, all the different things you can do with their product. So very interesting. And um, one of the unique things about them, which kind of draws me to them, is that they have a 72-hour trial version. Most of these OPC server companies have a two-hour trial version. And so for my students, right, I'm thinking, you know, two hours may not be a long enough time if you're, if you're really, you know, if you're going to sit down for half a day and go through some lessons, two hours really isn't a long enough time. And so um, whether you're using our digital twin, which we are almost 99% uh, uh, done designing, um, we just look good. I'm just so busy. So I'm actually testing it um, with, uh, uh, it's got it all set up to test it with the S7 1200. So I'll be releasing it for that first. But um, I definitely want to release it for all the courses. So if you're taking a course, you can have a digital twin. Um, the, the actual software is about the price of a video game, right? So it's under 100 bucks. But um, we spent hours and hours designing our, the first of met what we hope is going to be many digital twins based on our courses in this software. And it's just really cool and uh, can't wait to get it out to you. We're also coming in on the, our app, our Windows app, that is a full-blown PLC and application simulator, um, just like our digital twin. That is almost complete. We're getting ready to make the final payment on that app. And uh, it is great for those people. I'm even thinking of doing a... PLC Basics Lite, just using our free app that we're going to give our students, and it's for students only. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, like doing maybe, a, I don't know, $10 or $15 course, just using that app, just to teach people ladder logic. And uh, also looking at reselling the developer's game. That's how I found the developer. He actually makes a game. So looking at that too, because I'd like to do a course on his game. So um, that would be free. If you bought the game from us, you'd get the course for free. So very exciting uh, things happening over at the Automation School. Um, don't want to, uh, you know, I, I did mention in, in talking about that the data feed OPC suite um, article, I don't want to forget to mention the episode number, especially if you're listening, uh, that we had them on. And Quentin, I think Quentin did a great job. It was uh, the automation demo D012, episode 12 of the automation demos, D012. So uh, I think he did a great job. We actually sh uh, posted that out to the Automation Podcast audience as well if you want to listen to it. I thought it was descriptive enough that it would work, but if you guys think I'm wrong, let me know. Um, from there, we go to our featured product, and we're featuring our pre-order of our PLC 5 course. It is uh, $50 right now. It will be doubling when the course, uh, you know, come February. So um, if you do need or know anybody who needs PLC 5 training, I would grab it now. And uh, just talk about PLC 5 for a moment. Um, we've, we've tried to get most of the major controllers. We don't have the 80. There's really no difference between the 60 and 80 except for memory size. So I didn't want to make a, you know, spend hundreds of dollars on an 80 when it's, there's no big deal. Um, we have uh, all the major digital 16-point, uh, uh, 8-point, and 32-point modules. Um, we also have uh, all the major uh, power supplies, the modern power supplies. We didn't go back to the early stuff um, because they're just clunky to use. Um, we do have uh, a couple of control net adapters. We have a couple of remote I.O. adapters. We have a device net scanner. We have a KE card. We got analog, uh, IFE, OFE. I looked at doing the N series, but just the cabling is a nightmare. And I mean, they're really good cards, but they have D shells on the front. You got to go to an external. And I'm like, not for Rev1. Maybe we'll do that in, in, in an update module. But in any case, we have uh, memory modules, all the memory modules here. So we can show you those. We got a KE and a KF2. Um, we got, I think, everything you'll want to know. 
about um i didn't get a 16 slot rack they're just so big it's just like just like with the control logics i didn't get a 17 slot rack they're just so big and i don't want to have them in the way here in the studio but we do have 12s uh 8s and 4s for the plc5 and um try to make sure we had all the accessories as well um to show you that keying bands and the xt and station i found a brand new station connector it was a little pricey but i i want to show the station connector because that was the only way to do a tap off of uh, data hobby plus or remote io so the only official way to do a tap uh, with impedance matching and all that built in so um in any case uh, this this course is going to be mostly for end users i know we do a lot of personal courses for individuals who want to learn after hours but um and you you can take any of our courses you, you don't have to do the exercises to get the the uh, certificate however um the software for this is very expensive now yes you can get a 30-day temp or at least last year you were able to get a 30-day temporary activation for plc5 software but um and, and that's a, that's that's not a bad option especially since i think the software is a bazillion dollars for some reason it goes up and, and I, I have no idea why so I, I know why people say it goes up but i i don't buy that i'm, I'm just not buying that i'm just not buying that matter of fact i think the, the software there should be an educational license that's very inexpensive because this the stuff is just so affordable right i owe cards for 10 bucks come on so in any case, um, let's from there go over to, you know, this is an interesting article. It's a very different article than what we use, usually talk about. It's from Aviva. And what they're talking about here is transforming desktop product builds, achieving CICD with Azure DevOps, paving the way for Aviva Unified Engineering Online. And what this article is about is how they're using Microsoft DevOps uh, software or development software to um, help achieve continuous integration and a continuous delivery. In other words, help them be efficient engineering uh, new additions of their suite and adding new uh, features to their suite and testing those features. So I thought it was interesting, Not maybe not for everybody, but I enjoyed it. And uh, from there we go over to Pills. Now Pills has a, a new version of their software configurator out, the PNAS multi-configurator. And it uh, looks, looks very interesting. And um, I've never used it, but uh, it's interesting that recently, back in version 10.9, they actually added a simulation function. So you could simulate, simulate your, uh, your Pills products and the setup. But in version 11.3, which is the newest version, they added in features for their later laser, laser? laser scanner. We'll scan that later with the laser scanner, um, the PSense scan. And uh, that was really cool. And they added some features for AGVs as well. We've talked about pills and they're promoting they're really promoting their because robotics is a growing the the number one growing industry right in industrial automation and um you know based on the numbers um and um you know they've been really promoting their suite of products for agvs and amrs and so um i thought it was very interesting how uh, they've added the features for agvs into it as well uh from there we go into a very interesting article from global american and this is, what is Windows IoT Enterprise? And I thought I knew what it was, and I knew some of the stuff in here, but I really thought they, and I don't know if it's just because I'm old and I forgot, but I really felt like I came away with a better understanding of Windows IoT Enterprise from this article. And, um, you know, if, if you're wondering, hey, why do some companies use Windows IoT for an HMI or for a kiosk or, or other products, right? It really makes a lot more sense. You don't get all the nuisance updates from Microsoft as they're trying to, you know, you know, make the, the operating system better every month or every, or fixing, you know, security patches all the time. 
And I, I definitely like the feature that um, you get to choose exactly what gets installed, right? So when I go in the task monitor, and we were doing this last night trying to close a, an application that crashed. Uh, my buddy was uh, had an application that crashed and task monitor wouldn't kill it, um, task manager. But uh, in any case, when you go in there, you see all this stuff like, and you can kill some of that stuff or disable it, but you know, you wouldn't think like telephony would be needed today, but sometimes it's being used by something more modern and, you know, so this allows the OEM to say, or the vendor to say, we don't need all this other stuff, right? So that, I thought that was very cool. And uh, from there, uh, just a reminder, if you're not familiar with Global America, they do some really interesting stuff with industrial computers, especially they can make legacy industrial computers for you. So they have source for older chipsets and whatnot. So if you need a legacy industrial computer, you know, maybe you can't upgrade to Windows 10, right? Or Windows 11. So they do a lot in that area. That was podcast 78, I believe, that we had them on. Yes, it was. From there, we go over to the ISA's website, automation.com. And I thought this was a very interesting article about how to manage cybersecurity automation challenges. And uh, I'll just give you the bullets here. The challenge number one, complexity of implementation. Challenge number two, compatibility issues. Challenge number three, keeping pace with evolving, evolving threats. Challenge four, employee resistance and training. And, uh, and uh, then they have some tips here as well. I really enjoyed it. If you're following cybersecurity and you're trying to promote more secure uh, practices in your business, definitely recommend reading this. Um, this uh, was a gentleman from the ISA. And uh, we do have, I think it's next week, we have another episode of, uh, with, of the podcast with the ISA coming out. It's, um, I think it's ISA Secure is what we'll be talking about. But if you missed our previous show with the ISA, it was entitled Cybersecurity, IS-99, ISA-99, and 62443. That was Podcast 110. I thought Eric Cosman did a great job going through it. And uh, it's definitely, if you have some time, uh, road time, definitely maybe one of the ones to listen to. Because um, it's not, the slides aren't very flashy, but um, it's also a good one to watch too. Like this slide right here, I featured in the thumbnail. From there we go over to Grace. They have a new uh, blog out today. They usually do one every Wednesday. And this one is about NFPA 70E and the 2024 changes, okay? So when we're talking about lockout tagout, when we're talking about uh, safety, here you can see understanding point of work in NFPA 70E and how to test point and how to test point Grace PESDs. So, um, of course, we've talked about their PESDs quite a bit and their checkboat systems. And again, I, I just love this Bernie and Les uh, cartoon. And, um, you know, can you believe back in the day they used to work with it hot? So, um, in any case, there's links to different videos they have on different subjects and whatnot in this article as well. From there, we go over to an article from Premio. And this one seems very familiar. I didn't have a chance this morning to go back and see if we had, if this was just republished, but it was came out on the 11th. So I did not see this on Tuesday's show um, when I prepped for Tuesday's show. But um, um, this is uh, P-Cores and E-Cores. What are the difference, right, in the new Intel 12th and 13th gen CPUs? And so that's important to understand um, what the P-Cores and E-Cores are. We've covered them in the show before, so I'm not going to spend any more time on that. But if you, if you're not, if you didn't miss that episode, then feel free to check out this article. Um, also another interesting article from Siemens, this was uh, about the evolution and scaling of predictive maintenance. And uh, I just, re I really enjoyed this. It's not a very long article, but it was an interesting article. 
And if you do anything with predictive maintenance or are looking to implement predictive maintenance, you'll probably enjoy this. And then we go over to an article from DigiKey about how to implement condition-based monitoring using single-peer Ethernet. And I thought the first half of this was actually very good. They really kind of cover the basics of condition monitoring, and they talked about, um, you know, why single-peer Ethernet is such a big deal. You know, I'm, I was a little surprised they didn't mention Ethernet APL because in a lot of these uh, situations, you're going to want it to be intrinsically safe, right? But in any case, I really enjoyed it. It, it talked about the impact of AI and machine learning on uh, condition-based monitoring and how it's just making the products better and better. Just like, you know, just like machine learning and AI is making the vision products better, it's also having a huge impact on condition-based monitoring because these algorithms are just getting better and better and better. Just like your home, uh, your home uh, speaker system like Alexa or Google Voice or whatever is getting smarter and smarter and, and is understanding more and more as time goes on. So um, in any case, the second half of the article starts getting into different chipsets that are available. So once I saw the chip, uh, you know, I stopped reading there because I won't be deploying any new products or creating any new products anytime soon. Uh, from there, we had some roundups of this year's content. Inductive has a very interesting uh, a roundup of their top content for 2023, the top blogs, the top videos, the top uh, social media posts. So um, if you're an Ignition user, uh, check out Inductive's article on that. And from there, uh, Opto, 22 had an interesting article about the top five forum topics of 2023. And I'll just go over those quickly. Modbus, REST API, CodeSys, uh, OptoMMP, which we've covered on the show, and OPCUA. And from there, we go over to a roundup from Yaskawa on their most popular blogs. And they have 10 here. And, and many of these we've covered on the show, like Shedding Light, on the path to dock warehouses. Um, let's see, uh, what else did we cover? What to expect when budgeting a uh, for a robotic welding system. So if you're interested in uh, uh, robots and what your is doing, check this out. I, I Going through the list, I was impressed with uh, some of the topics they covered and some of the things we covered. Now, as far as our featured guide today, we're talking about, now if you're not familiar with them, uh, last, uh, well, this past summer, I spent an entire week organizing uh, our top 16 products we've covered over the last 10 years at the Automation Blog. I organized them into ordered lists of uh, guides. And these guides include, uh, you know, videos and articles. Of course, we have over 1,700 videos and articles at the Automation Blog. And today we're featuring the PLC5 one, over 37 different articles and videos on the PLC5. And I hope to add more this year. As, I, as I'm doing the course, anything that I think would be good as a blog that maybe doesn't fit into a course, I definitely want to cover and uh, post it on the automation blog as time allows. But in any case, we are so close to breaking our all-time record at theautomationblog.com, which is something pretty impressive to be said for a site that's 10 years old. You know, we're celebrating 10 years this year. So please, if you get a chance, help put us over the edge Go up to theautomationblog.com and check out one of our uh, content guides. We have guides on. Now, we, we do have some of our top, I was looking at our top 10 articles this year, and some of our top 10 articles include things like Mitsubishi and other platforms, but as far as the, the bulk of our guides, they're on Rockwell and Siemens. But uh, in any case, you know, if you could, just get up there and spend a few minutes uh, on the blog this week. Help us reach a, a, a new high. We've already broken in one record. I want to break both records for 2023 for our, you know, because we've launched in 2013. So I'd like to have 
our 10 year anniversary end on a big bang with uh, hitting a new record. And with that, um, I know it's already past eight for those who are watching live. Some of you may have to uh, jump off, but uh, I know you folks watching after the fact, I'm just going to keep on going. Um, there was an article I thought was very interesting from Siemens about how the Siemens Accelerator AI was integrated with a company's picking robots. And uh, I thought it was very interesting because what they're doing is they're analyzing again with vision. They're analyzing, um, well, not just vision. It just, it, you know, how, not only how to pick up a bunch of different types of products, but also what's the most efficient move in picking them up and dropping them off. So um, I thought it was a very interesting article and I wanted to share it with you this morning. And then we had some uh, product, um, I should say, application stories from Aviva. So we have two about chemical customers using the Aviva suite. And then they had a list of, a whole list of them. And of course, they just had their Aviva World Conference. So a lot of these come from that conference. So if you're, uh, if you're an Aviva user or you're looking at Aviva and you're interested in like, what are people doing with Pi? What are people doing with HMIs and so on? Um, check out these two links. Uh, this is just a lot of application stories in there. With that, uh, as far as videos, yesterday we dropped our PLC Next episode of the Automation Podcast. This is the second PLC Next uh, show we've done. But this one was not only an update of where PLC Next is right now, but also Zachary gave us a demo of like creating your first program. And I just... I really, as I went through and re-edited and edited, edited this episode for, uh, for release, I was like, wow, very interesting food for the mind. I love how he did it. He, he really presented it in a different way from the first podcast we had a couple years ago. And uh, he talked about the technology. He actually talked about all the hardware, which I really appreciated, all the different controllers that are available. Like they have safety controllers, they have redundant controllers, and they have standalone controllers. So it was very interesting. I didn't know that. They actually have... Uh, you can actually take the PLC Next Engine and run it on an IPC. So they you talked about that. So I was very interested. I thought it was very interesting. And then he goes through and introduces us to the software. And um, we actually we don't compile and go down download to a PLC and run show flashing lights. That probably would have made the episode uh, too long. But in any case, um, um, I'm looking forward to having Zach back on. I really enjoyed having him on. So this is podcast 183, and uh, that dropped yesterday afternoon at 3:30ish. And um, Next week's, I believe, is ISA Secure, so that's an unsponsored show, so um, that will probably be, I think that's the last one. And then the following week, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm going to be on vacation, but I'll probably, uh, as you know, I, I had, um, if you've been following us for a while, I was part of the Siemens uh, Symposium on Control Panels, so I probably will edit that episode and re release that when I'm gone as an episode of the Automation Podcast because I thought it was pretty interesting. But in any case, from there... As far as events, you know, on the 26th of December, you know, if you have to go right back to work after Christmas, um, this is probably going to be really good. We did have Horner Automation on the show. We have recorded an episode. I don't have it scheduled yet because it's unsponsored. But um, this is how does IO Link work? And um, they're just, they do these things every week. They're just, they're just phenomenal and, and just being consistent with their, uh, with their live streams. And um, so if you're around on December 26th and you don't have anything to do, right, um, check this out. I'm, sh I'm sure it's going to be excellent. And uh, that is at, let's see when it's at. It's at 2 p.m. Eastern time. From there we go to updates. So we have new images for Siemens HMI operator panels. Now, when I thought images, when I first heard this, when I first started covering Siemens, I'm thinking, 
oh, it's a graphic library, like symbol, symbol library or something like that. But no, this is like an image as in if you imaged your computer, made an image of your hard drive. So these are actually, some, some HMIs would call these uh, firmware, right? So in any case, this is everything that's on the, the uh, internal memory of an HMI. So uh, those have been updated. Plus, we get some updates for V17. I didn't dig into what is new in V17 because it's been out around V19 now. But uh, in any case, you can see here Step 7, PLC Sim, WinCC have updates, including WinCC Runtime and WinCC Unified. So V17, if you're using V17, you probably want to come up here and figure out what's new with the update. From there, we go over to Rockwell. They have a new uh, tech data on uh, the right site, PhotoEye. So I know it's a very popular product. And then they had a lot of new Micro 800 stuff, which I'm excited about because I'm getting ready to film these new, new uh, lessons. So it's good that the, the, um, you know, they have all the information out and updated on the Micro 800. And um, they have a new manual. I believe they discontinued the 830. Um, but uh, I'm glad it's still in the documentation. You can see here, this is a user manual for the 8850, 870. And then they have the installation instruction, which, uh, why would you want that? Well, for the wiring diagrams, if you just want to wire something up, it gives you all of those. And then um, if we go over to Emerson, we had a new data sheet on their FBX Edge software platform. We had a new uh, document. This is like a, a brochure on the PAC Systems IPC 2010 industrial PC. And we had a new instruction manual on the TM600 True Monitor Regulator. On the Siemens side, we had new manuals on the Cymotics, GP, SD, and DP low voltage motors. We do have a, an episode coming up with them on their VFDs. So I'm looking forward to publishing that. That is sponsored. It's coming out early January. And we have a, uh, a manual on their Sirius uh, 8WD46. These are their uh, signaling columns or stack lights. So there's a new configuration manual on those. And finally, for our other science and technology section, we have an article from IEEE Spectrum about AI-powered micro-displays adapts to user's eyesight. Now, when I saw this, I thought these were contact lenses. These are not contact lenses. What these are, these are built for, this is a, a, a company that's uh, did, done a lot of R&D on this new design, and it's built for AR and VR type headsets, predominantly for AR. And what they're doing here is, with all the pixels, they're including um, a monitoring pixel. So you'll have your red, green, what is it, RGB, red, green, blue pixels, but then you'll have a fourth pixel that is like a feedback or a photo eye or an input vision sensor that detects uh, the amount of light coming back from the eye. And they say by doing that for the whole screen, they can actually combine all those images together. They can know, you know, how bright, the, the how much light is coming back so they can see if they have to lower the intensity because they don't want to be too bright. But also they can see like where your eye is looking and how open your iris is. So it gives them, think about that, it's like you get these black and white pixels coming back in that gives them like uh, an image of your eye. And so um, a couple of reasons for this, besides just adjusting the contrast um, and brightness, it also tells them where you're looking, right? So if, they're if, if something on the screen is trying to get your attention, you know, they, they can um, make it sharper, right? They call that foveated rendering, where you don't have to render the entire scene in 100% graphical, uh, you know, fidelity, right? You can render where the person's looking in high res and let the outside of the image be lower res because that's how our eyes work, you know? 
And the other thing that that is good for is, you know, if you want to have an automatic menu system, like let's say I'm looking at a, a machine and I'm staring at the motor. If I stare at it for a couple of seconds, you could not, you could, maybe it just had the speed there. You could open up a, a pop-up. So if you're staring at it for a long time, a pop-up opens up with additional information, right? So that's one application you could use that for. So I thought it was very interesting. I'm an early adopter for uh, VR um, and uh, have all the, the first-gen headsets uh, that came out back in the, the affordable ones back in the day. So um, in any case, I just found that very interesting and wanted to share that with you this morning. With that, I want to thank the Automation School for sponsoring this episode of the show. I also want to let you know that if you want to send your feedback in, you think I got something wrong, or if you just want to share your own opinion, you can do so with our talkback or feedback link. Um, we also have a, a submit news tip link if you think I missed a story. Uh, you can. I also want to thank, we got a half a dozen new followers over at automation.locals.com since Tuesday. So I want to thank everybody who's following us over there. We did have some Q&A. The Q&A was about a very rare um, era uh, somebody was seeing in uh, Studio 5000. So... I, it ended up I just needed more information because it wasn't even documented in the knowledge base. So in any case, we go from there to uh, just thank everybody. I, I see the orders come in. Um, you know, they come in now and again for our coffee cups and our T-shirts as, as well as our uh, e-books and video collections. So I just want to thank you all. Every penny go, of profit goes right back into the show. And uh, with that, just a reminder, every single link we covered today well, you will find later today at automate.news. No www, no.com, automate.news. And with that, I think that's the end of the show. Ran over today, 8-11. I started late too. Just, uh, you know, some days it takes hard, it's harder to get all the news put together than others. And uh, with that, though, I do want to thank you for watching. I really do. Whether you're watching live or after the fact, I do want to thank you for watching. I hope you're enjoying your holiday season. I am just... <laughs> Just working on all this equipment is just like, I'm like, I was even thinking this morning, it's like, I can get into the holiday spirit because uh, I love Christmas time, right? And uh, in any case, um, if you have any questions on anything we're doing here at the Automation Blog or the Automation School or Insights in Automation, um, just feel free to reach out to me. And um, I had somebody say, hey, how can I collaborate with you? I'm like, that's kind of an open question. You're going to be a little bit more specific. But um, in any case, it's like, I don't even, you know, it's a stranger comes up to you and says that. It's like, well, what do you do? What do you know? What do you like to do? But in any case, I just want to thank you all. I hope you're enjoying your holiday season. I also want to wish you an awesome day and weekend. We're on winter schedule, so we will not be back until Tuesday. So um, we will see you Tuesday, but I hope you have a great weekend. And um, with that, I just want to encourage you all to stay courageous and stay fearless. And until next time, my friends. Peace.